2: Good morning, Bodhisattvas. I'm Hogatsu, Zen priest at Ancient Dragon Zen Gate. So welcome, dragon community, abiding on the ground, or slightly above the ground in Chicago, and in the sky, wherever you are, manifesting one practice body together. This morning, some of us have been already sitting prior to the morning program uh, together here at our Ebenezer Zendo, which we have reoccupied (laughs) recently. I feel grateful to the Ebenezer Lutheran Church in Chicago for sharing Their space with us, allowing us to sit together. So this retreat energy and intention
1: is now integrating with the wider dragon community, our wider sangha. Feels really wonderful to be together.
2: As some of you may know, I have been coursing in Shikantaza, exploring this great pillar of our Soto Zen practice of just sitting. So Shikantaza, the word, refers to just sitting, and it is our home-style practice in Soto Zen. So we're Shikantaza homies here. And Shikantaza extends beyond the cushion
1: before or after the bell rings, if it rings. Uh, And maybe the
2: best way or one way to describe Shikantaza is just this, just present with whatever is happening. And this jewel of Shikantaza, of just sitting, has many facets. You can endlessly explore these. Today, I'd like to emphasize one, and that is how we activate shikantaza. The shikantaza that we live in our lives in this world is compassion. And our shikantaza activity, the way shikantaza works, this compassion, completely responding to the moment uh, is this boundless compassion of the bodhisattva way, which I think brings all of us to practice one way or another. uh, We want to expand, explore, develop, live uh, a life that loves this world and cares for this world and helps and soothes the wounds of the world, responding in a creative way. and spontaneously, so this is our performance art, but it's a performance art of compassion, uh, bodhisattvas. Sometimes some people think that this isn't discussed much in Zen, but it permeates our practice. Uh, so this morning, what I would like us to do is look at some images of Avalokiteshvara, the great. Bodhisattva, of compassion. Now, on our planet, we really need compassion. We need to fully inhabit compassion. The struggles in our world, I think, are these struggles are awakening a deep wish in us, in many people beyond this group, uh, Buddhists, non-Buddhists, maybe animals, maybe the great earth are requesting compassion, a deep wish. There's a deep wish to alleviate suffering and distress.
1: It's like we're all hearing a baby cry, and we're turning towards it, going, "Ah." Uh. How can I help? What is the right response? So So we're learning. Um, and we turn and invoke
2: Avalokiteshvara for help, for refuge, and also to assist us in learning how to truly be helpful and care for the world. So this is what I'd like to share with you this morning. It's a beautiful, chilly morning in Chicago, very bright. Uh, so we'll look at some images, visual images of Avalokiteshvara, the great bodhisattva of compassion. Some of you may know this bodhisattva by... There are many names. This is a bodhisattva beyond gender. It pours itself. They pour themselves into whatever vessel works to be helpful. So there are many images. Guanyin, Guanyin is a favorite. Chenrezig in Tibetan. Many, many names. Um. So I'd like to share these visual images, and then we'll explore some text textual imagery uh, in an old teaching story from a long time ago in the Tang Dynasty in a land far away in China, uh, where two Dharma siblings, friends, uh, had a little discussion about compassion and Avalokiteshvara's compassion. And many of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with this story. It's found in many places um, and many people have said a lot about it. So I don't know if I'll add anything new, but this is case 54 unions, great compassion. Um, Before I share some images, uh, let's just uh, think a little bit about just the introduction to the story in the book of Serenity. It's a short intro before we even get to the little story. There's a little introduction and it goes like this crystal clear on all sides, open and unobstructed in all directions, emanating light and making the earth tremble in all places Subtly exercising spiritual powers.
1: Tell me, how is this manifested? (laughs) Crystal clear on all sides,
2: open and unobstructed. So many of you have a taste of this in Shikantaza,
1: in your Zazen. Uh, And a friend of mine offered
2: a little story about how is this manifested? And my friend said, my Zen friend said, a member of our sangha shared, you know, I have a very natural response of compassion to dogs. When I'm running with dogs and one of them limps, I slow down. No problem. Not so much with people. (laughs) So like maybe when we're, Getting up from our cushions for Kinhin and somebody in front of us, you know, rubs us the wrong way. They're walking too slowly or too quickly. And all of a sudden, uh, there's this reaction of like, oh, I want this to be different. (laughs) My friend said, when people are slower around me, I speed up. You know, did you ever do that in a car? Like you speed up at somebody's bumper when they're not going fast enough. You know, so this is uh, the way we work. But our friend just has a strong practice and he noticed this. And just paying attention and noticing is one expression of this kind of compassion that emerges from Zazen. He saw in his Shikantaza and could be familiar with how his body works could feel that energy, both the energy of openness and love for the puppies and one that resists a little. Um, and then this redirects him to his vow to offer support equally to all beings, including humans. So not seeing our limitations Uh, is the real problem. Seeing them is just part of our compassion practice. Um, There are many, many examples of compassion in old stories of the Buddha. And I really enjoy the way Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, often taught. It was in a very soft, gentle way. One time, and several of us were at the Art Institute on Friday, and we saw some sculpture depicting this event uh, one time it is said in the old sutras, the old suttas that buddha Buddha's group of disciples were arguing they were fighting there was a division in his community, and Buddha walked away from this. He tried to get them to stop, but it wasn't, didn't work. So he walked into the forest and sat down and certain things happened. But one of the things that happened is a monkey was in residence in this forest and came down from the tree and saw this is, this is some, somebody special. I think I'll offer this Buddha a honeycomb and Buddha is sitting there with his alms bowl and the monkey
1: plops a honeycomb in this bowl. And Buddha just sits there. Kind of benevolently. And the monkey's like, what's up?
2: Like, I want Buddha to enjoy this honeycomb. Why is that not happening? And the monkey jumps on Buddha's lap, looks in the bowl, and sees that the honeycomb has some insect larva. And Buddha didn't want to disturb them. So the monkey picks up the honeycomb and takes off each little one and places it someplace relatively safe. Maybe a bird ate it later. I don't know. But then he put it back in the bowl. And this was a nice little story of even a monkey can have compassion and Buddha, their compassion meets in these very simple everyday activities. So um, I thought it might be time right now. I'll read this case and then I want to share some visual images. So back to case 54, uh, Yun Yan's great compassion. And probably all of you, uh, at least in the Zoom land, have had time to Google this case by now, but I'll read it to you <laughs> anyway. It's case 54 Yunyan's Great Compassion. Yunyan asked Dao Wu, What does the Bodhisattva of Great Compassion do with so many hands and eyes? Dao said, It is like someone reaching back for a pillow at night in the darkness, reaching back, reaching, maybe not going like this, but just. First. And and Yunyan said, oh, I, I understand, I get it. Does everyone get it? Dao said, how do you understand? What a sweet interaction. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. And Yunyan said, all over the body is hands and eyes. Like I think of them like little tattoos all over the body, hands and eyes. Uh, or little sprouts like mushrooms coming out the body. Hands and eyes to help the world, to see what is needed and respond. Uh, and Yun Dawu said to Yun hmm, that's a great answer.
1: You said a lot there, but you only got 80%. Yun said, well, that's my answer. What about you, elder brother? So this is a very nice engagement.
2: This is compassionate activity in action. And Dao said, throughout the body is hands and eyes. Pervading the body is hands and eyes. So I'd like to get back to that case in a minute. But I would like to first share some images of this wonderful bodhisattva of great compassion, Avalokiteshvara. And uh, I believe David Ray will share the first uh, image. And please check her out in case you don't have her on screen. Thank you so much, David Ray, for being so helpful. Um, so, I hope you can see this at home, and I hope we can share this here. We saw one similar to this at the Art Institute, but the compilers of this Book of Serenity, this comes from this, this image in particular, comes from the Sung Dynasty. And this is an image of Avalokiteshvara, Kuan Yin. And notice, She's in the posture of great compassion or royal ease. So, you know, we sometimes think we have to just sit like Buddha, cross legged in full lotus, but actually, our Shikantaza can have this ease. And if you look at this beautiful, so think about this the people who compiled this case maybe saw something like this this image of Avalokiteshvara, Uh, I think someone, when we were at the Art Institute said, oh, she kind of looks like my grandmother, you know, welcoming. So these portrayals were very uh, true to human form, but these are the eyes of Avalokiteshvara, which are looking down, gazing at the sounds of the world. Some people say listening to the sounds or listening to the suffering, but, but, but she's listening with her eyes, gazing at the sound. So this is uh, an image that I don't know if it was familiar to Dao and Yunyan, this particular image, because this came a little later. The Song Dynasty was after the Tong Dynasty. But let's take a look. At this next image that David Ray will share of the many handed, many armed, many eyed, uh, Avalokiteshvara, which was quite popular in the Tang Dynasty um, in the time of Yunyan and Dao. And I wondered if the story came from maybe some donor brought a new image to the place that they were hanging out. And uh, David's now sharing this. Thank you very much. And you can see that halo in the center. And if you magnify it a lot, there are tons, just a whole circle of hands and eyes. And we'll have a close up as well. Thank you, David, for expanding it. So each one of those arms, they're supposed to be a thousand arms. And, you know, the inner circle has a bunch of tools, implements, but I noticed all these other hands, there are five other rows of hands. uh, Those are empty and ready to respond according to each moment without a preconceived notion and without an agenda. So this is sort of the boundlessness. Um, This is a contemporary image from uh, Nepal. That showed up in my home, and when I looked to find uh, Tang uh, Dynasty images, I found something almost identical to it in uh, an ancient cave tapestry from the Tang Dynasty. So this may have been quite familiar, or it could have been like you know the new image that showed up for Yunyan and Dawu. And um, I just would like to, again, emphasize the detail of this uh, bodhisattva and image, because I think it's fun to look at what's in all those hands (laughs) and eyes. And David will share that in a minute, but I think some of you can see this. Um, Each hand has an eye to see what is needed to hear the sounds with those eyes and hands to respond. And then in these hands uh, are various uh, implements when there's something material there. And in what I've handed out and what might appear on the screen, but you can probably see it, see that hand and eye (laughs) look at, yeah, there you are. See the eye?
1: Ooh.
2: And there's the hand. So I think uh, we're about there. And then you see this. In one hand is a Buddha. Looks like the Buddha, Amitabha Buddha. <laughs> In another hand is uh, sutras, a bundle of sutras. In another hand, it looks like a gate. Maybe it's a Zen gate. I'm not sure. Or a pavilion. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, that middle image. It looks like a gate to me. I don't know what you think. Or a pavilion. place of refuge, maybe. Or a gate that leads to release from
1: suffering and distress. So... Uh, So that just gives you a
2: little bit of a context for the experience of, thank you, David, of
1: Dao and Yunnan. So
2: each particular situation requires a unique set of hands and eyes. This is our relative world, uh, ready to respond. And this is a manifestation. This is the activation of our sitting practice. This is, this is the fullness of shikantaza.
1: Um, and even if we think our practice is shabby, we're learning how to be Avalokiteshvara. Learning this stance of compassion.
2: Sometimes you'll see these images where there's hands that are giving and hands that are protecting
1: uh, in this imagery. So back to the text.
2: Once again, these
1: two Dharma friends in a land long ago, in the world we enter
2: and share with them in our shikantaza practice. One Dharma brother said, Dao Wu said, what does the Bodhisattva of great compassion do with so many hands and eyes? Maybe they were looking at these images like we are. What is that? And Dao seemingly had a quick and beautiful answer. It's so natural, like someone reaching back for a pillow at midnight. And I don't know when I read this whether that pillow is reaching towards the hand or the hand is reaching towards the pillow. Who's comforting whom? But this is the intimacy of our practice of what we do together.
1: And Yunyan said, oh, I understand. I get it. Did you ever do that? Did you ever be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm.
2: But maybe you didn't. So Dao generously inquires, how do you understand? This could be our whole practice, this kind of inquiry. How do you understand? And Yunyan came back pretty quickly too, and said, "All over the body
1: is hands and eyes. All over our bodies." Ah, uh, and Dawu approved. It's a good answer. Ah. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, but you only got 80%. And
2: Yunyan said, well, that's me. How about you? He didn't say your answer is wrong or don't put me down, but they were just like, yeah, how about you? How do you see it? This is our sangha. This is how we share our practice together is being curious and wondering in gentle ways, what about you, elder brother, sister,
1: elder person, uh, esteemed person? And Dawu says,
2: "Pervading throughout the body is hands and eyes, and that's it." Now, I thought, well, I wonder if by this time Yunyan is making a cup of tea or sweeping the courtyard of the temple, <laughs> inviting Dao Wu to continue along as they practice compassion together. Maybe you had a response like,
1: who's right, Dao Wu or Yunyan? Let's get it upright." You know? I mean, Yunyan got eight out of 10
2: how many of us want 8 out of 10? We want 10 out of 10, right? And they're like, oh, did that, that little Dao maybe got 10 out of 10? But they're both right. <laughs> uh, Yunyan presents an understanding of eyes and hands that you could say has a slightly dualistic sense to it or is a relative uh, experience. And Dao Wu presents this all pervasive, this non-duality, you know, this beautiful non-duality we talk of. Some people like, like that emptiness side, right. Um, and think, Oh, well union's just on the surface, you know, just dealing with the surface details. Um, And I say it is their relationship and authentic practice with each other that provides the seam of connection, of compassion. So each of those statements couldn't quite say it right on their own, but maybe together 80 and 80% make 100%. Maybe this is how compassion really works, where it's not split up, And it's not just completely whole, but it's all those things which we can't get a hold of. So those hands, if you see those bodhisattva hands, they are not grasping hands, they're offering hands. And this is a story about offering uh, without agendas, with a sense of ease. And... I would say it's a little challenging. This is maybe what why we sit. Um, one other point I'd like to also just look at a little bit, share with you from my perspective, and believe me, many, many people
1: have told this story. You know, many, many people have... Seen these images. Read this book, looked at it, poured over it for
2: well over a thousand years. So every time we tell the story or look at the image, we're also merging our intention, sharing our intention our care, our desire to benefit the world with countless other beings,
1: maybe even monkeys and deer and insects and honey. And these two Dharma friends uh, are
2: affirming each other. They're not one-upping each other. They're not trying to have a winner or loser where one gets it right. I believe in vaccines and the other gets it
1: wrong. I don't. Or I'm right and you're wrong. This isn't what they're doing. And when we sit in this
2: dynamic seam of compassion, we're, we're finding that place where there aren't winners and losers. Uh, so these, this tale of two Dharma brothers, <laughs> and this amazing bodhisattva of compassion in conversation. She, he, they, Avalokiteshvara only comes alive in their interaction. It's not outside. This is kind of what they're saying to: we are this. Avalokiteshvara, this great bodhisattva of compassion. It can't be otherwise. And the tale of this two Dharma brothers encourages us not to be bound by boundlessness, not to be attached to boundlessness, um, and to be free. This is liberation. So we're free to act in each moment. Um, We're free to meet each sound of the world. Each particular situation to meet the war in the Ukraine, to meet the assault on our planet, um, to meet those we like and those we don't equally, and find this place of caring that heals. So when I read these old stories and look at these images, this is what pops up for me. Uh, when I invoke Avalokiteshvara, I am saying, please teach me a response that affirms each being and each thing equally without winners and losers. Uh, This kind of response mysteriously arises in the darkness when we sit wholeheartedly. And something shifts. We reach for the pillow, the pillow reaches for us. And Avalokiteshvara appears, not in the form that maybe somebody else thought, But in the form of our lives, I mean, I don't know about you, but if this showed up, I'd be like, hey, great.
1: Um, But when it shows up in someone I am in the form of
2: someone I'm afraid of or intimidated by or want more relationship with, uh, then we have an opportunity to practice as well. So um, in our hearts, something beyond our grasp opens up our compassionate eyes and something beyond our grasp brings forth a response in the darkness. So, Uh, Thank you very much for invoking the Bodhisattva of great compassion together. And I think we have some time for sharing before um, announcements, and then we'll have no work period today, but we will have a service. And everybody, the public is welcome to uh, join us for that um, service, but... I say, now, how about you, Dharma companions? Please offer your understanding, your questions, your experience, your Dharma, Bodhisattvas, Avalokiteshvaras. Thank you very much. Bring it on. Um, so I see Bryant's guy on the screen with a golden hand, and now he appears. Greetings. Please. Uh,
3: with a regular hand as well. <laughs> Thank you very much for an excellent talk on an excellent topic that is, can you hear me?
1: So there's a little. Is, can you hear me now testing?
3: <laughs> yes, you, you can hear me?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep.
3: Yep. Okay. Uh, thanks so much for uh, an excellent talk um, on a, a very needful topic to for us all to focus on uh, in the world, as you mentioned several times. Um, wonderful. Um, just an addition that I might offer of translation that I've found helpful uh, for a long time, uh, the translation that I went off of translated the final uh, answer, uh, as not pervading the body, but he says there is nothing but hands and eyes. Which, uh, in my in my mental interpretation, I thought that was uh, excellent because it it loses it drops the whole body reference completely, and 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 in a way suggests there is just compassion. There isn't me being compassionate or someone to be compassionate to in a moment there is you know in pure compassion transcendent compassion is just the helping um and i've and i've seen that in myself at times um i've also seen the other where i have a little bit of a gaining idea you know maybe if i help this guy he's going to help me later uh but occasionally uh um hopefully more often than not um when i see a need uh i just go to meet it um but uh i think the uh, the image that you shared i think the second image with the myriad tools in all the hands you know yes exactly is extremely helpful image because it it really it really brings home the point that there isn't just one way to be helpful um you know there there's an infinite way of uh, possibilities of ways of being helpful uh, and in my life, I'll just offer kind of a counterintuitive example. I found out one time in in wishing to help someone that I thought of as a friend. Turns out they didn't think of me as a friend. And so when I had that realization, I realized that the most helpful thing I could do was not to win them over as a friend, but to, but to go with that and say, okay, well, they don't want me as a friend. You know, uh, compassion would say I'm not going to force that. Um, I'm going to give them their space and their you know, and not try to, so sometimes helping is not helping. <laughs> I found out, you know, and, and letting someone else, um, you know, trusting the other to, to, to do the best for their own reality rather than always rushing in. Um, and that was a very humbling, uh, insight, uh, for me. Uh, but since then, uh, it's, it's never left me. And so that's, it's, it's increased my, uh, I, I hope, uh, humility, uh, overall to allowing the moment to really be what it is and to not, as Dogen said, not to bring myself forward into the moment, but just allow the moment to tell me what, what's the most helpful. So, and thanks again for your
1: talk. Wonderful. I'm going to (laughs) unmute. And my unmuting
2: presents a technological quandary and great effort on the part of our techno. So I won't say too much because I want to hear others. Um, But I will say thank you, Bryant. And yes this uh, story and its iterations can be explored endlessly. Our great Dogen, of course, wrote a whole fascicle called Avalokiteshvara in his great Shabogenzo on this, but many people have uh, explored this. And it's always fresh and new. And Brian, you shared, thank you for sharing, like we helping is not pushing our agenda. But being willing to set it down and go, oh, this is what is needed here in this situation. And, you know, Avalokiteshvara has been known to cry because this work is a little painful sometimes.
1: Um, so thank you for your great effort, Bryant. Anyone in the room? would like to offer anything. Bo. Um, D sattva. Uh, <laughs> uh, so come on
2: over here if you want.
1: What's that?
2: You can come over here if you want to see everyone. Oh.
1: Yeah sure, why not? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're sharing together. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Mm-hmm.
4: Hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Beau. Um, I just wanted to share. I mean, I'm I'm blown away by. I think this image in particular, mm-hmm. uh, the ease. You know, yeah. I mean, because in my work, I'm a fourth grade teacher, and I just experience a lot of the the challenges to kind of have the eyes and the hands <laughs> constantly. <laughs> 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 the ease part, though. Is a huge challenge, you know, because my patience gets really tested every day. And I you know, I don't know that the idea necessarily, and maybe this is a question, is like to be at ease and like surfer cool the whole time, right? Like maybe sometimes you know you're called upon to be, I don't know, uh fiercer or something challenging, but um but still just this image is so striking to me. And so I guess how to have that calm while being called upon so often to have the eyes and the hands um, more than you could even imagine right. in the day. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. More more than this for sure. Yeah. It sometimes like, that's feels only like a like thousand. A... You need like <laughs> a billion. Yeah. A Cause
4: uh, you know, I, it's one thing I feel like I, I'm equipped to, teach my classes academically but especially lately and i think with kids now in the pandemic it's just there's so much trauma and need in that way that i don't always feel equipped or skilled you know to answer and so how to like have that ease and calm to approach those situations when already you're feeling like sort of inadequate to them so i guess that's a question it is a question
2: Well, you know, this image is a a snapshot in time. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. we had like a bunch of frames, she'd probably be standing up. Uh, In this image, her head exploded a bunch of times because she was so frustrated by attempts to help. That's the story. You know, I didn't go into a lot of detail because we could maybe we'll have a seven day sashim just on this case someday Mm -hmm. or just on this picture. But um so, the first place to start is always compassion with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can only be who you are. And don't think that, you know, Bodhisattva, don't think that just because you feel harried, that that's not compassion. Mm-hmm. This is our relative world where this arises.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I know that when you sit and are upright and make this effort, somewhere, Something changes in Mm -hmm. our Zazen. And even if we're not aware of it, we're getting closer to this accord, Mm -hmm. you know, and your agendas, you know, you may want all your students to be happy and bright and cared for, you know, and this is the hardest thing, you know, in this commentary, in a verse, actually, by our wonderful ancestor Hongzhe, in this Koan, um, it says something like uh everything is working together how can it be hindered so even in our difficult situations even in situations we don't want to say well that's not how things work but this is and so you're in the middle of that mm-hmm. but you can also take that image home with you mm-hmm. and enjoy her i will and you can even go onto to the website of the boston museum of fine arts and the curator this wonderful curator. I think her name is Nancy Berliner, um, gives a wonderful talk. She was hidden in a basement someplace at the museum, and they resurrected her and restored her to this beauty. Thank, Thank you, you, Bodhisattva. Yes.
4: Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, you want to come over here and say hi to everyone? Come on. I respond to Bola's
1: comment.
2: Yeah, please. We don't have one of those fancy cameras that follows everyone around. So we have to use our legs and our hands and our arms and our eyes.
1: Okay. Okay. Um,
5: Good morning. And so, um, but what that made me think of is uh, because I used to work with young children a lot is that while they need compassion, they also need boundaries.
1: Mm -hmm. And
5: I know from um, talking to other teachers recently that kids have uh, evidently come back to school and lost some of the socialization skills they had before the pandemic. And so it's like one of those where it seems like compassion is connected to sorting out where the limits are, where's the boundary. And that your frustration, I think, is a clue in there that, okay, you are close to a boundary and how to mm-hmm. contain the Frustration and figure out the boundary, you know. And I think that's probably related to other forms of compassion. But right now, I can't think
4: of a good example.
2: I Uh, think you just gave a good example, Kathy. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, it does feel that way too. It's like Mm -hmm. passion doesn't mean one thing or just kind of permissiveness or or, you know a kind of idea of niceness or kindness. Yeah boundary had you're teaching how to you're modeling how to um, you know protect yourself a little bit and and Mm -hmm. have healthy relationships rather than ones based on like so (laughs) forth yeah so thank you Kathy
6: thank
2: you kathy so this is a great example of how this works right Kathy responds to Bo finding the seam of compassion Mm This is this isn't just something we read about in some old papyrus, although old papyrus is really beautiful.
1: Any other beings? Jerry, come along. <laughs> Say hi to Jerry, everyone. There is there is something when you look at this image yeah. too. She the, the this image. Yeah. She does look at ease, but if you look at her face, her face sort of has that look of, is there a problem here? You know, kind of ship up or shape out or what's going on here. She does have that look that she's definitely mm-hmm. in charge. And, and I think that's just the part of it that says, you know, there is a certain amount of compassion, which says, hey, you could do better. Yeah. Right. Or I'm fully with you. Yeah. And I'm on your side, but keep up. (laughs) Thank you,
2: Jerry. (laughs) Who else wants to come over here? Asian's going to join us. How wonderful. Mm -hmm. Here
1: she comes Asian Bodhisattva. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dylan. That is just like
0: reaching back in the night for a pillow <laughs> before, before, you even needed to. Thank you. Um, so, thank you for a thought-provoking talk. You know, I have read and studied this um, case many times, and I've always thought that the eighty percent, twenty percent—you know, the the hands and eyes all over the body versus throughout the body, I always thought of it as sort of an intellectual distinction, like, okay, yeah, we have to be, you know, Mm -hmm. we have to be thorough and complete and 100%. But then but today, I was just realizing that, you know, within our body, we can feel some heartache, or we can feel fatigue, or we can feel a feeling in our stomach. And that is compassion, that can tell us something about what is needed. And so I finally just said, Oh, okay, yes. Um, everywhere,
2: everywhere, everywhere. Always,
0: there's there's wisdom going on that we don't always pay attention to because we're paying attention to our
1: thoughts so much. So,
6: thank
2: you so much for your compassionate offering. Hundred percent. Thank you. One hundred percent. In this class, everyone gets one hundred percent. Remember that? Like people would be like, "But I want to get a better grade than somebody else." <laughs> Eve, come on down. Okay. I feel like I'm Wheel of Fortune or something.
1: Price.
2: Yeah, Price is Right.
7: <laughs> and the
2: cushions offered. Should you want, would like one?
7: Yeah, got my own cushion. <laughs> um
1: yeah um, there's
7: a question i've been wondering about mm-hmm. um when it, uh and i guess it has to do with the relation between compassion and anger mm-hmm. um and of being upset at the state of the world and i've been thinking it helps when you know i get upset about something i see you know i'm angry and i think it's because it's you know there's inequity or a lack of fidelity to some model (laughs) that that i think should be there yeah that that maybe it helps that i what when you were talking i was thinking well maybe it helps to ask the question um what what is it that's bothering me (laughs) you know why am i upset what, what is it about, you know, what is it that I really think is not, uh, not, doesn't represent equity or, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and, um, and, and giving the space to explore that, that maybe that helps um, because sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't know what the response should be.
2: Yeah. We're in the dark. Yeah. Sometimes we have to search for a while. And, and you know, kind of like what Kathy said, sometimes our frustration is telling us some very important information yeah. on what responses needed. But in our practice, we have the patience and stability mm-hmm. to start to explore that. And then we can rest in the scene of Mm -hmm. compassion, but it does, it, it requires a lot because these are really difficult, painful problems. And if we don't feel moved by what's happening in the world, something's wrong. If our practice dissociates us and we're like totally cool, you know, I think as Jerry noted, you know, that Kuan Yin wasn't totally cool with what was going on, but she's wondering how can I help? And also knowing, you know, kind of like that monkey plopped the honey in Buddha's bowl and forgot that there were some other beings there. How do we include everyone? How do we find that sweet spot? So to speak. So Eve, I think your question is one. This is the question of like, how do you understand in this world where we can't know everything? How does that happen? And there's not one answer, but we help each other. And this is the importance of Sangha. This is what I find very nourishing. You know, this morning in Zazen, I I felt tears, but they were tears of happiness that we were together and that in this world, you know, my illusion of separateness is easily dissolved when we're together. And we need this. We need this uh, honey to sustain us when we are dealing with people. I think someone was telling me he was working with a board of directors who weren't Zen practitioners. And there was huge conflict that lasted years, and he said, "Oh, I forgot what it's like when you're not in a spiritual community, and people aren't on that page and still, we slow down for them and learn so this is a wonderful question, so don't push away your anger, but and be with it. plop it in Buddha's bowl, <laughs> you know, and then you know slowly slowly um and you you have this wonderful royal ease position so i have no doubt you will meet these situations would you like to share anything else not right now thank you thank you for joining us in this
1: <laughs> whirling world on top of this box here known as my computer how are we doing We'll ah,
2: Eileen, uh, do I need to mute myself now?
1: Uh, no, it, you okay. it, You just stay as you are and Okay. Good. Hi, Eileen. Hi, hi, everybody. I'm oh, sorry. Hold on. I'm
2: mm-hmm. sorry. I'm, hold on
1: hold it's on.
2: okay. that's okay. David Ray is getting us connected. Okay.
1: Okay. Now.
6: <laughs> hi. Thank you. um This is a. A little abstract and maybe metaphoric, but I'm not sure. I've been uh, oh, traveling all over the place trying to find a new home, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm settled now. I have a rental spot, which is very calming. But be, before that, I, I, you know, I was just so distracted and and so stressed out, and then my body started manifesting this stuff. I had my head was doing this, my tooth did that, and all. I mean. It was really, and I and I went finally to um, an osteopath. I'd never been to an osteopath before, and he's a and he was a practicing osteopath. He did the he did the manipulations and the healings and all that. And he's very very good. And then at the end of that, I'm like, but I still feel a little stuck. It's a little bit oh, a little bit of a hungry ghost. <laughs> I still feel stuck. And he said, oh, he said, oh, well. Your head is having trouble remembering or knowing that it's part of the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, oh, and I know how to do that, right? We all know how to do that, <laughs> drop into the body. And um, and all at once, my head knew what to do. I'm sorry, it's very abstract because it's very personal. But talking about the whole body has a job to do perceptually and compassionately and anything else you want to throw in there. Um, and, and it was, I experienced it. Um, and I I keep telling myself that (laughs) and it works. And so we, we do perceive, um, or I have experienced perceiving with my whole body just have to pay attention and not make this such a King Tut. Maybe the body is, maybe this is the, um, I don't know, the arbitrator or the, the 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 center hub, but it that doesn't mean that they're that the head is the ruler is what maybe what I took from that. It's not exactly right, but somewhere around there. Anyway, just wanted to share that.
2: Wonderful. Can can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good. So you know, this is like Kuan Yin had a hard time figuring out how to get the body and head and body together. You know, the head exploded a bunch of times and uh, Amitabha Buddha put her back together, put them back together. Mm -hmm. And you know, so you're in great company (laughs) and clearly your practice has led you towards the healing response that was offered by the osteopath and was offered in your body. This is how we work, Uh, but it's so easy uh, to lose ourselves. So I'm happy that you're reconnected and that you found a home that supports you. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. No. gonna check our time
2: <laughs> I, I was sounding like i was in an echo chamber it sounded great check our time mm-hmm. um it, it seems, seems like, like we're in a good spot uh, uh, not too late not too early Um, And if anybody else wants to bring forth experience, please do so. Um, I think what will happen uh, eventually, I guess, we're going to have some announcements and that service. Does that sound right? Great. Um, And anyone who's in the room certainly can um, take an image or two home with you. I think we've got quite a few around. These are free as well, and any of these images um, could be available. Maybe I'll post them on our website or something. Um, yeah, so maybe do we do the four vows or do we do just announcements? Is that Honto? Help me. Um, you know, I guess we do the four vows and then we'll do the announcements.
1: We'll do the
0: we'll four,
2: four vows. vows. So, may our great compassion extend to every being and place. With the true kindness of Avalokiteshvara, beings are numberless. I
4: vow to free them.
7: Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow
4: to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. The God's ways unsurpassable. I vow to realize it being are
5: numberless. I vow to free them.
7: Delusions
5: are inexhaustible.
0: I vow to end them. Darma gates are boundless.
1: I vow to enter them. But way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings
4: are numberless, I love to free them. Delusions are impossible,
6: I love to end them. Dharma
7: the gates are boundless, I love to enter them. But the way is
1: unsurpassable. I How to realize it.